0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to Wipe That Smark Off Your Face, the pro wrestling theme podcast brought to you by the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J M I E, your 77th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa into the world professional wrestling brother. And today's episode, we are going to be talking about my recent trip to Nashville, Tennessee, to see AEW Dynamite. AEW All Elite Wrestling, started by the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes, with Tony Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, as a backer. I've talked about them many a times. Dynamite is their weekly television show that comes on Wednesday nights on TNT. That's right, TNT not only knows drama, TNT now again knows professional wrestling. The show has been on for roughly about two months now, going on two months, and it has gone head-to-head with WWE's NXT on the USA Network and has beat them every week in the ratings, you know, by a little margin or a big margin, they're winning the ratings war on Wednesday nights. A lot of people are saying it's because they're the new kid on the block, and that may be. It's a different type of wrestling than what you're used to. It's different than the normal WWE stuff that's been going on in the PG era. They are cussing a little bit more. They are TV-14. They are being a little bit more edgy, more aggressive. Not exactly the Attitude Era, but they're doing as much as you can do in the Attitude Era nowadays and still keeping big name sponsors. Recently they came to the Nashville Municipal Auditorium um, and me and some friends took the the voyage, took it upon ourselves to go and watch this this pro wrestling just to see how it is live to see if the energy of the crowd is as good in Nashville as it has been in the past, and to see if we can keep up that momentum of AEW fandom and keeping the crowd looking amazing on TV. So we took the voyage, and we got there right around the time they opened the doors. Um, As we go inside, the place looks like it's packed. There's a lot of people walking around, a lot of AEW t-shirts, as you would expect, and it seemed like a lot of pro wrestling fans. First off, I will say this. Don't know why. Security was taking people's signs. I have no clue why. I don't know if it's something to do with the uh, Nashville Auditorium. I don't know if it was AEW. I doubt it's AEW because they allow signs at other events. I don't know what was going on with this. But security was taking people's signs that they made. It, it was It was strange. Me and the people I'm with uh, go, we get to our seats, and the funny story about our seats, we get there, and I'm like, wow, these are actually really decent seats. We're on the mezzanine, we're, we're above the ring so we can see everything, we're, you know, within 50 feet of JR uh, Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. We're there, we're sitting, we're ready, and this security guard, I'm guessing, Somebody that works for Nashville story. we're guessing, because I really didn't see anything that said that he works there. But anyway, he comes up and he asks the all-important question, how did you get to your seats? We walked. Simple answer. I don't really know where this is going. Are we getting punked right now? He said, well, we got a problem. This whole section has been blocked off. Now, granted, I will say that the section next to us held TV cameras. That section was blocked off because nobody sat there, because there were actually cameras in that section. He tried to tell us that our section was blocked off and that we couldn't sit in the seats that we had purchased. So all three of us generally inquire, well, what are we supposed to do? He says, go to the ticket counter. You are out of your fucking mind. If you think I'm going to go down there out of my seat that we paid for, and walk over and see if they can relocate it. So unless you're putting me on the floor, get out of my face. And all of a sudden, his superior brings some more people to our section, and he said, "Oh, walk. Well, That's okay. My superior, my superior tells me that it's fine." I, I don't get what you're saying. They sold us the seats. If the section was blocked off the arena would not have sold us our seats, you dumb idiot. I don't know what you do there. I'm not even sure you work there, because you, again, had no badge. You had nothing saying that you work for this auditorium. Maybe you were just some crazed fan who wanted a section to yourself. I don't know. Anyway, we got our seats, because they sold them to us, and multiple people around us, as our section was full. Now, there were people saying that this... Arena was not full and tarped off. There was one section that was tarped off. I I get that. Plus the places where the cameras are, where they weren't sectioned off, but they were not sold. There was probably a couple hundred seats available in this entire arena, uh, auditorium, however you want to put it. There's a couple hundred seats available, but it was mostly for that. It was packed. You know, almost every seat was full, and the crowd was amazing. The crowd was awesome the crowd was intense and it made me proud because a lot of the fa- the I've been to a multiple multitude of wrestling events recently and you know over the past few years and the NXT events I go to are always hyper they're always the fans are into it they love it when i go to raw smackdown even pay-per-views the fans they they just they sit on their hands they're quiet i don't know what it is it seems like the AEW fans are a more rabid fan base, they get more into it, they, they enjoy it more, and that's why I personally am enjoying and loving this, because when the fans are into it, pro wrestling, as opposed to any other sport, and yes, I just called pro wrestling a sport, as opposed to any other sport, pro wrestling is just as much about the fans as it is about the performers, because the performers can do their best, but if the fans aren't into it, if we're quiet, then it comes off as the shits. Or, you know, us as the fans can take a match that's not that good, be hyped and into it because of the people there, and make the match good because of our energy. And that's why I think pro wrestling as a whole is is just as much built and predicated on the fans being into the product as it is the workers giving their best and all for it. Uh, There are three matches that are going to be, that were taped for AEW Dark. Our special guest announcer, for the night that was going to commentate with Excalibur on AEW Dark was the natural Dustin Rhodes. First time I've ever seen Dustin Rhodes in person, and he looks great. I didn't get Sam Russell because he is nursing an injury or a kayfabe injury from being attacked by the Inner Circle, which is Chris Jericho's group. Uh, the Dark matches, the first one, we got Strong Hearts out of uh, OWE in China taking on the young bucks which shocked everybody that the young bucks were in the dark first dark match of the night this was the opening match and it was big and the match went on well it was different than normal young bucks there was there was high flying but there was great tags the crowd was really into it again the young bucks are super over with this fan base and can be over with general audiences because of that they they bring in the the spirit of the rock and roll express of the midnight rockers of anything of you know, just these teams that have always had this rock and roll with the flares and, and there's just the young look, they have that. And they can be big on the main stage, and I think they're going to be big on the main stage. Uh, young Bucks pick up the win with the Meltzer Driver, which I popped huge for because I've never seen the Young Bucks perform. That's the thing. Most of these people performing, the the ones that are newer, I, I of course, I haven't seen. But you have some big names that I've never got to see wrestle and big names, and the Young Bucks were one I've always wanted to see, and I finally got to see it, and I got to see the Meltzer Driver, and I popped huge for it. Next up, we're going to start AEW Dynamite. We get to see Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone come out to join Excalibur. Great seeing them. I've never seen these guys live. I, I just I've never have. I've never got to see them live, and this is the first time I've, I've got to see it live, and again... This was really cool for me to be able to see these two legends out there and I'm going to bring it up as I haven't seen most people live. We start off Aew Dynamite. they show you know the recap of what happened from full gear and we get Michael Nakazawa in the ring waiting for John Moxley as he makes his entrance or as Justin Roberts calls him, Moxley. Sorry, I just the way he says it with just enthusiasm. This is basically kind of telling the story of what happened with Kenny Omega from Full Gear at their Lights Out match. We get Kenny Omega not being cleared. His back is shredded and looks gnarly. He's got a black eye that really looks fake. Um, I, I don't know if it is, but I'm pretty sure it is. It just it, it just looked fake. He wasn't medically cleared, but Mox is, so this is going to continue the story. Nakazawa was there with him. We see Nakazawa with his baby oil take it out like he normally sprays on himself to get out of the situation, throws it away. This match goes forth really quickly. It's about a two, three-minute match, basically a squash match. Moxley hits the paradigm shift, one, two, three, picks up the microphone and says, that one counts, kind of throwing it at Tony Khan, you know, that he's had a bunch of unsanctioned matches. This one counts. This one goes on his record. And he is saying, basically, that nobody can compete with him. He is the baddest man in pro wrestling. He's the scariest man in AEW. He's going to just run through the roster and prove that he is the baddest MFer in the company, and anybody that wants to step up can, I'm expecting somebody to come out right then, we get nobody answering the call at this moment, he just says, that's what I thought, you know, he goes on to say that if somebody does want to, they better have an ambulance ready, kiss their family goodbye, because they're not, basically, they're not going to be home, and he leaves to a massive pop, again, Moxley is hugely over, great promo from him as John Moxley, the former Dean Ambrose, has really come into his own again, and he—he he can tell he's allowed to be himself, and his, his herky jerky style of wrestling works for him. He's—I will admit his punches aren't the greatest looking punches, but he—he's believable as a badass, and it, it just works. And Moxley is hugely over. Next up, we get to the Dark Order taking on Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Marco Stunt, of course is a very polarizing character in the world of professional wrestling. Standing at five foot two and weighing in at 102 pounds, he is, or excuse me, 115 pounds. He is extremely undersized, and a lot of people say that it's not believable for him to be in the ring. I'm going to argue for Marco's stunt right now, because if you watch this match, Marco Stunt does what Marco Stunt does. He's his offense, there most of the time the people are no selling his offense unless he's getting help to do set offense, like being thrown into doing a spinning DDT or a Code Breaker. He most people don't sell his offense. He is the one that is in the ring getting the shit kicked out of him. He's getting beat down. He's taking all of the the heat to before he can get the hot tag to Jungle Boy to save him. This is the same reminiscent of what the Rock and Roll Express did when Ricky Morton would get thrown around. He'd bump for the, the heels. He'd bump for the other team constantly, get beat up before he made the hot tag to Robert Gibson. This is exactly the same thing that Marco Stunt's doing. Now, Marco is undersized. I get why people are saying this, but he's playing his role right, and he's doing what he's supposed to do. Kids love Marco Stunt. I enjoy Marco Stunt because he is athletic. He doesn't look that, but he plays the part that he is looking right. This match was actually a really good tag match. The Dark Order have not really gotten the best push or anything since becoming the Dark Order when they were the Super Smash Brothers on the independent circuit. They're a good tag team. They work well together. Their gimmicks aren't really defined yet. I still don't really understand what's going on with Grayson and Dark Dark Uno. They haven't really defined that role yet. I think that's the biggest issue about this. Uh, but they're, they're looking better. They do great tag work. And this match, they worked well. They beat up on Marco until Jungle Boy got the hot tag. They go through sequences. You know, we're getting the high flyingness of Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is very athletic or Jungle Boy Jack Perry, as JR likes to call him at time, which yes, he's Luke Perry's son. This is a, this was a good tag match. I enjoyed it. And we get the Dark Order picking up the win. After the win, after they pick up the win using their hitting their finisher on Marco Stunt, after they pick up the win, they grab a microphone, which is the first time we're going to hear the Dark Order speak. Dark Uno starts putting over Marco Stunt, saying that he's undersized, saying that he's doing great, and people should basically be embracing Marco, which is weird. They're the heels. They're like, what are you going here? He offers Marco the chance to be better by joining the Dark Order, joining, becoming a creeper. He said, I can make you stronger. I can make you better. I can take you to another level. Offers him, offers him one of the creeper masks. Marco looks at it, kind of reaches like he's going to take it. Jungle Boy jumps in the ring, throws the mask down, says that's not happening. He's with them. And then Dark Uno says, I understand completely. And he says, take him out. And so they jump jungle boy and marco stunt now me as a fan i know where this is going because it's a third member of the jurassic express that has been injured recently and that is luchasaurus the six foot six 270 pound behemoth that is their heater and one of and really over with the fans in aew as Marco and Jungle Boy are getting beat, I, I look at my friends and I say, we're getting Lucas little short. like, he's coming back. I know he's coming. And then, boom, that music hits to a tremendous pop, a huge pop. He comes out and he just starts laying out creepers, headbutts, kicks. He hits a black mass, which they're calling the tail whip, which is a spinning back kick to three creepers in the ring. He chokeslams one of them. He throws one of them over the ropes. He's beating the hell out of Stu Grayson, or now Grayson. We get the return of Luchasaurus, which I didn't expect. Uh, he was supposed to be out till January. He was walking kind of gingerly. I don't know if he's fully recovered, if it was just to get a pop. I don't really know. Maybe he was just trying to take it easy. But he looks great, looks fantastic. And, again, getting his return was something I didn't expect, and it popped me as a fan. And so... That was that was a that was a big moment for us and AEW and Nashville. You know, I haven't seen something that big in a while. Next up, we are getting Sean Spears versus Peter Avalon, the Librarian versus Darby Allen in a triple threat match. Sean Spears comes out as a, of course he is accompanied by the legend Tully Blanchard. One of the former four horsemen. The greatest in-ring competitors to ever step foot in a professional wrestling ring. Out next is the librarian, Peter Avalon. Followed by the librarian, Leva Bates. Or as I like to call her, Leva Booty. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. Peter Avalon. Now guys, I'm going to say this again. Peter Avalon's a great worker. He really is. And this librarian gimmick, it's one of the gimmicks that's meant to get heat. It's not meant to be... Bigot, he's being kind of used as a jobber. I hope eventually they can use him because he is a really skilled in ring talent. Um, Again, he's helped. He helped uh, train David Arquette, and David Arquette's become a, a decent professional wrestler. Recently, I know that's strange, but he has actually become a decent professional wrestler. And Peter Avalon's a good worker, and he's doing the traditional heel of bashing the town he's in and everything, and it. It's getting them heat. A lot of people are saying it's go away heat. It's heat. And people are booing him, which is something you're not getting a lot nowadays. People it's hard to get boos and you know when you're being a heel, and he is one of the ones that's doing it. And so my hat's off to him and I applaud him for doing it. And out comes next Darby Allen. Darby Allen is massively over. I mean, this is one of the loudest pops of the night, is when we see Darby Allen. He comes in the ring. The match is going on. Peter Avalon dives off the top rope, misses both of them. As it's going on, Joey Janela comes out and attacks Sean Spears. And they fight to the back. So we're continuing the feud with Joey Janela and Sean Spears. We'll see how that goes. Janela gets a huge pop. Janela's getting over with this crowd. Again, a lot of people aren't liking Joey Janela. And they keep bringing up that he, he doesn't look like a professional wrestler. There's a lot of people that don't look like professional wrestlers. There's a lot of old school people that didn't look like professional wrestlers that are professional wrestlers. So, you know, uh, Harley Race didn't really look like a professional wrestler, but you saw him being a professional wrestler. I'm not just putting Joey Janela in that same thing with Harley Race, but I'm just saying if he's getting over, then who are you to tell somebody that they're not a professional wrestler if they're getting over, which Joey Janela is massively getting over. We see Darby Allen end up scoring the pinfall on Peter Avalon, which we all knew Peter Avalon loses pretty much everything. Now then Darby Allen grabs a microphone and I'm sitting here thinking I'm like it. So they went from not cutting a lot of promos. With the first few weeks, I think they were just showing everybody the athleticism and trying to cram as much wrestling in as they could, just so people could see how athletic their roster is. So as we're getting into this now I'm seeing and I was like, Wow, another promo? I was like, I'm not complaining, but it's like they went from having none to everybody's done one so far. And He picks up the mic and he just is perfect. His promo, he just says, John Moxley. When he says that, the entire crowd pops huge. I accept next. So, next week, we're getting John Moxley and Darby Allin. Could be insane, could be vicious. And these two, I think, are going to have good chemistry together because they both have that style. Moxley is going to beat. Darby Allen, he's gonna you know beat him down. Allen's just gonna keep coming back, and I think this is gonna be a earning the respect of John Moxley type situation. But it was it was a great moment, big pop from the crowd. Next up, we have Nyla Rose taking on a local enhancement talent. I'm sorry, I forgot this the woman she's wrestling's name. Nyla Rose, another controversial figure in the world of professional wrestling, as she is a the first transgender professional wrestler signed to a major promotion. Uh, Nyla Rose, a lot of people have been complaining because she's a quote-unquote man wrestling women. I'll tell you my aspects like I've told everybody uh, that's ever argued this. There are differences there. I get that. I'm not getting political into that. But this is professional wrestling. She's lost more than she's won. She's not afraid to do the job. And in in the world of professional wrestling, any advantages that you may or may not have aren't really going to be apparent when you, know, you you're, have a predetermined booking of how the match is going to end. But in this match, she does what she does. She beats the ever-loving hell out of the local enhancement talent. She wins a squash match, and she goes to the back. Nyla Rose has recently turned where she's just basically saying that I'm going to be the badass I'm meant to be, and I'm going to run through the women's division. She has been doing it recently, and I really, I'm really high on Nyla Rose. I think that she's got a huge upside, and I look for her to be... The AEW World Champion sooner rather than later, especially since spoiler alert, uh, Awesome Kong has already openly said that she is basically taking Nyla under her rank, wing, and she is showing her how to play that that monster heel role. And you can't have a better you can't have a better tutor or mentor. In that field than Awesome Kong. Speaking of which. Tony Schiavone is the next and he is interviewing Allie. Who's saying that she's been on DART. But she's ready to step into Dynamite. Allie is a beautiful woman. Her wrestling skills are they're okay. She's still. I mean she's been in the business for a while. But for some reason she's still fairly young to a new audience. Um, she's talking about getting ready to. You know. Take the. The the women's division by storm and out comes Brandy Rhodes and Awesome Kong. Uh I knew this beforehand because if you we were look I was looking at the monitors or the big screens they had up and I saw these candles pop up and they blow out and I was like, what I was like, Brandy Kong, I knew how this is going. I still don't know where this is this whole gimmick is. I don't know if it's a Frankenstein's monster thing. I don't know if it's a witchcraft, a voodoo. I don't know how these gimmicks are going. They come out, awesome Kong beats Alley down, takes out a knife. And cuts her hair as she did at Full Gear to be priestly. Apparently this is her gimmick now of taking trophies or locks of hair. There's a woman with a knife cutting a woman's hair on national TV. And she's twirling a knife. I don't know if it's the best look. But Awesome Kong looks serious in the role and looks badass. I love Awesome Kong. I've always loved Awesome Kong. If you don't know who Awesome Kong is, go and find the uh TNA matches with Awesome Kong and Gail Kim pick one it doesn't matter and you will see the, some of the best women's professional wrestling matches you've ever seen as though, 2 are two of the best Awesome Kong is a great monster heel for women's wrestling she's a great uh, she's a, a great woman overall from just listening to her own podcast and her personality she doesn't seem like that type but she is, she is amazing and she is a pioneer and my hat's off to her because I it, it's just amazing everything that she has done for the business. Next up we have Chris Jericho coming out. Chris Jericho comes out and he's cutting a promo about beating Dustin Rhodes and, you know, calling basically calling Dustin Rhodes or excuse me, calling Cody Rhodes. Why do I keep saying Dustin? He's on my mind like a college degree apparently. Cody Rhodes, he just beat Cody at full gear. He's calling him an entitled millennium bitch and all of this that's when we get the entrance for Cody Rhodes. And Cody has not been cleared to wrestle because he has massive stitches and dislocated ribs from the match. legit injuries. Like, these aren't kayfabe. These are real injuries. And I like, it's MJF. I know it's MJF. And I'll be damned if it's not MJF. He does the entire entrance coming up through the stage. He does Cody's little hyping the crowd up thing. Gets in the ring right before the sing-along starts where the crowd would sing with Cody's music. Tells him to cut it. And MJF goes off on a promo that is one of his best. MJF is an amazing promo skills for such a young talent. He gets it. he's getting nuclear heat, massive heat, bashing Cody Rhodes, saying Cody Rhodes try to keep him under his thumb. Cody Rhodes doesn't care about anybody but Cody Rhodes. And then him and Jericho start in on some of the best back and forth I've seen of do you want to be in the inner circle? Do you want me to be in the inner circle? Do you want to be in the inner circle? Do you want me to be in the inner circle? They go back and forth. They say that Cody Rhodes is the biggest dick in AEW. At one point, Chris Jericho makes the thing, makes the comparison saying that they're both like scarves. They dress well. They're both devilishly handsome. He said, it's almost like your parents got horny 20 years ago watching me beat up Hooventoo Guerrero on WWE Saturday night. And nine months later, your twerp ass popped out. The fans start chanting Hooventoo, or Hoovie, Hoovie, which when was the last time you think you, when when was the last time you heard a Hoovie? or a Hoover to Guerrero chant in professional wrestling. MJF, not missing a beat, goes, Who the hell is Whovie? Jericho tells him to Google it. He's calling him Crisscross Applesauce. He's calling him Maxwell She Sells seashells by the Seashore. You can tell that this is not scripted. It's a bullet point, and they're going back and forth. Because when MJF calls Chris Jericho Crisscross Applesauce, you see Jericho thinking of something he can call MJF to go back and forth. They're doing great banter. After discussing Cody Rhodes, calling him a dick, that's when Cody comes out. The doctors and security is like, no, Cody, don't do it, don't do it. You're not cleared. He runs to the ring. He starts beating up MJF. He goes for a quick snap power slam on Jericho. Things go wrong. Jericho didn't get the launch quick enough. They fall forward. and But they played it off as him being... You know, not medically cleared, his equilibrium's messed up, still works, gets up, does it. And then we finally see the debuting Wardlow, who we've seen two promos for in the last few months, debuting with a Burberry tie-on. He is now going to be the heater, I guess, for MJF. He's going to be his muscle. He beats Cody Rhodes, hits a finisher type on him, and then takes his tie off and chokes Cody Rhodes with it. Then leaves with MJF, so this leaves, is MJF in the inner circle? Is he not in the inner circle? Ward loads with MJF. What's the connection there? So many questions, so many answers that we come, and um, we get a beat-down angle with the Young Bucks and the Pride and Powerful, which is Santana and Ortiz back in the back. They start beating the hell out of Young Bucks back and forth. At one point, they throw Matt Jackson into a bathroom door. It opens up, and you see Orange Cassidy, who got one of the biggest pops of the night, period. Orange Cassidy is so over with the crowds. It is insane. I love Orange Cassidy. I love his comedic stick. I love the fact that he's a sloth of professional wrestling. I know people are saying that he can't wrestle. You've never seen him wrestle when he does wrestle, he is a very talented in-ring performer. He just, it's just his, this is his gimmick until he gets angry or mad, and then he becomes like the Hulk and he becomes a wrestler. Now he gets that pop. They kind of gingerly shut the door. They go back. They come out. They put uh, Matt Jackson through the ring or not through the ring through the entryway. There's a side of it. They put him through it. They get he gets powerbombed through it. He gets beat up. They beat the Young Bucks down. And private parties come out to try to break it up, to try to do it. It's a great beatdown angle. AEW loves their beat downs and it gives you a anything-can-happen mentality. So we're getting the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz again. We'll get that somewhere down the line. It's basically pride and power for saying that you know they want the titles, but right now they're going for the titles that the Young Bucks have, and that's the best tag team in the world. It advances the storyline between the Elite and the Inner Circle, and... It's just good storytelling, and it's and it was a it was a good beat down angle. We get the main event, which is SCU defending the AEW Tag Team Championships against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. SCU comes out doing their SCU stick. This is the worst town I've ever been. The crowd is popping huge. We go to commercial break, and they're stretching for time. So Christopher Daniels is trying to work the crowd. I, Christopher Daniels is one of the is a great in ring competitor. Has been for years. He's one of the ones that never got the 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 chance that he should have gotten in one of the big leagues because he's a hell of a worker. Now Christopher Daniels is trying to have charisma in this. He's trying too hard. I, you can tell that that's not him. That's not his character. That's not him naturally. It, it's just it's just not. Kaz has that charisma. Scorpio Sky has that charisma chris Christopher Daniels just he he's not not like he has no charisma, but he doesn't have that type, and it just it didn't work so it's three minutes of him trying to hype the crowd up doing his little sticks doing s c u chants and it was fun the crowd was into it, but me, I can tell that that's not him that's not that's not the style of character that he's going work that he works best with SCU's super over um as Jericho Guevara and they're led to the ring by Jake Hager come out they're getting massive heat they're getting booze they're getting you know nuclear heat as we are sitting here and we're trying to see if Guevara and Jericho can win the AEW championship and thus making Chris Jericho double le champion the match goes forth pretty well as you would tell I mean these are good workers Sammy Guevara is becoming an up-and-coming talent under Jericho he has improved massively in just a few weeks with it Jericho is one of the best performers there is. Scorpio Sky did a great job here, and so did Kaz. This was a great tag-match tag tag, tag match fun. It kept the crowd into it the entire time. The entire time, the crowd is just, they're 8-in on it. There's you know, cheering the, the the heels, or cheering the baby faces, booing the heels. It's just, it's working. We see a roll-up as Scorpio Sky rolls up Chris Jericho and gets a 1-2-3, thus making him the first person to pin chris jericho in aew the first person to hand chris jericho a loss in aew and whether the story means something down the line or not we'll see but more than likely it will as i think scorpio will eventually become the single competitor for scu as we go to the end jericho's pulling guardrails out he's throwing a fit. he's hitting he's hitting stuff with chairs reminiscent of his old wcw days he's throwing a temper tantrum because he just lost as they go up the entryway, the the night's over. You know that they, they've they've already cut the feed. Jericho is acting like he's gonna fight crowd members. Like he keeps like they're having to hold him back. It's a fun spot. It's fun to see that tantrum throwing Chris Jericho as you go to it, and that's the end of Dynamite. The next two dark matches we get uh, Britt Baker and Riho against Swole. and I don't remember the other. One. I, I I don't remember the other one's name. I'm sorry. Uh, I've never seen her before. I, I've never heard of her before. The match is what it is. Uh, Brit Baker ends up getting the win here with the with the mandible. It was a decent match for what it was. Um, I think I don't really. I'm not a big fan of these thrown together women tag matches like this because I don't think it just personally. I I don't want to see all these singles women thrown into a tag just to get them on the show. I get you're trying to put them in front of crowds, but there's just better ways to do it to me. It wasn't a bad match. Uh, my friend is really into Swole. He he thinks that you know like she should be getting a win. And she probably could have. She could have ate, They could have won, got the victory here and it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. The final match of the night saw a Private Party against Best Friends by followed by Orange Cassidy. Again, both teams are just getting cheered to high heavens. This match was fun. It was over the top. You get good moments with Orange Cassidy getting involved. Again, one of the most over guys in the business right now. And people are hating on him. Fun match. Um, the... Best friends pick up the victory in the match, and then we see afterwards when all that's cut off, they start throwing, you know, merchandise into the crowd. They're telling anecdotes of, you know, um, Trent Beretta and uh, Chuck Taylor are telling stories. Chuck Taylor's from Kentucky. He said he remembers traveling 90 minutes to Nashville to wrestle, you know, in that auditorium and in the fairgrounds and just telling anecdotes like that. They throw stuff into the crowd and just send us all home happy. With a big final hug of all the wrestlers, it was a great night, and it w- it was fun seeing it live. The first time I had been to a big non WWE event since um, Slammiversary 2010, I believe. I mean, you know, there just there just isn't big wrestling events that come around a lot that, are especially of that massive scale. This is one of the newest ones, and it was just fun. The again, the crowd was just all night was into it. The, the matches were great. The, no, There was no slow moments in any of the matches. It was the best episode of Dynamite that I had seen, and that's not just because I'm live. It's because we got a good mix of promo, storytelling, and matches. And If you haven't seen AEW Dynamite, it comes on Wednesday nights on TNT at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. It's a fun show. It's different than the WWE. Give it a shot and just see what you like. Cause I'm telling you, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Um, That's going to be it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Wipe That Smark Off Your Face. The live edition, I guess, even though it wasn't really live. I'm recording this after, but it was a fun time. Um, I'm going to be, again, going to another AEW event in January as they come to my hometown. and It's it's going to be a great time, so thank you all again for liking, sharing, and subscribing. Follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. I'm on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. Again, you guys are amazing, so thank you. So until next time, that's Nerdpool. Oh, excuse me. That's wipe that smark off your face presented by Nerdpool. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs>